Chapter fourteen of the Widow Married, a sequel to the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fourteen. The O'Donagough family become popular and are the centre of a circle. Miss Patty forms a very important friendship and opens her young heart with all the frankness of her age and character. During the fortnight which followed, General and Mrs. Hubert, with their eldest daughter, were absent from Brighton on a visit at a friend's house about twenty miles distant. Mrs. O'Donagough considered this as a most unfortunate contretemps and bewailed her ill luck accordingly. But to say the truth, neither her husband nor her daughter shared her sorrow. Mr. Allen O'Donagough was perfectly satisfied for the present by having convinced himself that no floating vision of Major Allen existed in any cell of memory either with the general or his lady which could be called to light and life again by looking at him it was not then and it was not there however that he hoped to profit by the acquaintance and he was quite as well pleased to be left just at first in the free and unobserved enjoyment of his restoration to the pastimes of old lang syne without having before his eyes the fear of not being sufficiently aristocratical in the estimation of general hubert as to miss patty the intensity of her happiness was much too great to leave room for anything like regret sallying forth at least six times in every day sometimes in one smart set of ribbons and sometimes in another sure each time of meeting lots of men as she remarked to her mamma who did nothing but stare at her as long as she was in sight how could she fail to await with patience the coming on of the adventures which she was determined to have some day or other with those two darlings who had bowed to elizabeth she did wait with patience or rather she could hardly be said to wait at all for every hour of every day had its allotted joy till at last she ceased to care about those two young fellows at all no sooner was breakfast over every sunshiny morning than either father or mother were told that they must come with her to the pier and either father or mother obeyed nothing loath sharing with parental pride in her delight as every eye followed her in her laughing bounding ringlet shaking ribbon fluttering course that's dacre mamma ain't he beautiful he's major in the blank the maid says he is going to be married but i'll be hanged if i believe a word of it he didn't ought to look that way at me mamma if he's going to be married did he may be quoted as one among a thousand speeches which prove the amiable tone of confidential familiarity which existed at this time between mrs o'donagough and her daughter and it would be doing the fond mother injustice were it not added that all such outpourings of her young daughter's heart were welcomed with a sort of joyous sympathy which fostered and strengthened every feeling they displayed nor was mr allen o'donagough a whit less indulgent to his blooming heiress not indeed that she so frequently made him the confidant of her military speculations as her mother on the contrary his presence generally acted in some degree as a check on her communications in this line nevertheless there were not wanting a multitude of occasions on which his affection and her influence were displayed she made him subscribe to both the principal libraries because as she said it was so abominably provoking to know that anybody that one particularly wanted to see was lounging at either and not be able to go in and sit down for a little while if one liked it she repeatedly coaxed him to take places at the theatre for herself and her mamma though he protested that the lamps made his head ache so much that he could not stay with them but this want of gallantry was fully atoned for by his making acquaintance at the billiard-table with one lieutenant and two ensigns whom he brought home to play whist and eat lobster salad twice in the course of the week 
thereby putting the keystone to his daughter's triumphant felicity by giving her the chance every time she went out that three officers in full uniform might turn round on meeting her and her mamma and clank their swords upon the pavement beside them for as many blessed moments as they could spare in short patty felt convinced that it was impossible to have a better father and had the point been still unsettled his conduct in a little scene which took place after they had been in brighton about a week would have put the matter quite out of doubt papa said the lively girl one morning as they amused themselves by standing together to watch the bathers papa you must let me bathe bathe patty exclaimed mr o'donagough in reply what on earth should you bathe for why you are the very picture of health child and a very pretty picture too i must say better let well alone patty the sea may tan your nice skin for what i know not it papa cried patty snapping her fingers gaily in his face my skin will bear more than that before it is spoiled i'll answer for it and bathe i must papa upon my word and honour i must now do just look at those heads bobbing up and down and peeping round to look at each other isn't that capital fun now indeed indeed papa you must let me bathe and if you don't i won't mind a single word you say about wearing shabby things out of sight or anything else for a month to come you had better mind what i say at once poppy added the young lady mimicking her mamma's constant phrase when lecturing herself and only substituting poppy for patty at the end of it this last sally was more than the father could withstand the mimicry was excellent and his enjoyment of it so great that he swayed himself backwards and forwards upon the sea-rail over which he hung till his daughter seized the flaps of his coat to pull him back lest he should fall over it you little devil you burst from him as soon as he could recover his voice i should like to see the man that could say you nay and so you must bathe must you and bob your handsome head up and down among the rest of them and so you shall saucy one if you like only it must not be above once a week miss patty remember that for it comes deuce dear i promise you in short in one way or another the first week and the second week wore pleasantly away notwithstanding the absence of their great relations and considerably before the expiration of the fortnight mrs o'donagough herself confessed that much as she doted upon her darling agnes brighton was a very delightful place even though she was not there to enjoy it with her the daily increasing intimacy between mr o'donagough and the sporting portion of the officers quartered in and near the town had unquestionably much to do with his general family feeling that brighton was the most agreeable place in the world but about three days after the departure of the huberts another circumstance occurred which greatly enhanced their enjoyment of it in the same house with the o'donagough family occupying the front parlour as their sitting-room lodged two young ladies sisters of an uncertain age but of the most certain decorum and respectability the windows of their parlour commanding as they did the approach to the house-door and a full unbroken view of the steps leading to it enabled these young ladies to form a very just and accurate estimate of the number and quality of the guests who visited the family in the drawing-room tell me who are your friends and i will tell you what you are was a proverb the recondite wisdom of which was familiar to the minds of both the sisters and it would have been difficult to find an occasion on which it would have been more profitably applicable a few days of diligent observation followed by a clear-headed logical deduction of conclusions from premises enabled the two miss perkinses to decide beyond the possibility of a doubt that the o'donagoughs were persons of high consideration and the most unquestionable respectability in the first place 
the approach of general hubert's stylish servant had been noted commented upon and duly estimated and when the visit of the general himself and his lady followed whose names and persons were as well known to the whole motley mass of brighton elegance as those of royalty itself the vicinity of such neighbours became matter of very serious importance indeed then quickly followed the information on the unquestionable authority of the maid of the house that they had all actually dined at general hubert's and were moreover very nearly related to him after this intelligence reached them the excellent good sense of the miss perkinses decided that a feeling of what they owed to themselves rendered it absolutely necessary that they should in some way or other find means of becoming personally acquainted with the occupiers of the drawing-room apartment the matter was still in discussion between the two sisters though more as to the feasibility of the object they had in view than from any doubt as to the propriety of the measure when it was observed by both the ladies each from the window which she especially called her own that several military gentlemen of different ages but all as miss matilda observed looking perfectly like men of fashion were coming and going both morning and evening in a manner that gave every reason to believe they were on terms of great intimacy with the family they came to visit no one in any degree acquainted with the moral and social map of the ordinary existence of single ladies living on their means and passing a season at brighton can doubt for a moment that this discovery very sharply pricked the sides of the miss perkinses intent of becoming acquainted with mrs o'donagough in fact it produced a sort of irritating intensity of purpose especially in the mind of the youngest sister which could hardly fail sooner or later of achieving its object that is the third i have watched in and out to-day said miss matilda in a voice that faltered from agitation as cornet dartmoor of the blank dragoons passed out upon the pavement the third is it i have seen two returned the less observant elder sister and then after a moment of reflection she added of course matilda the o'donagoughs must see a great deal of the military at general hubert's and in that way i dare say they will get acquainted with them all of course they do louisa you don't suppose i was so stupid as to express any surprise at it quite the contrary for i am sure i should think it is the most unnatural thing in the world if they did not what i was thinking of and what i very often do think of louisa was that all the vulgar commonplace nonsense people talk about the disagreeableness of being an old maid does not signify one single farthing i for one despise it from the bottom of my heart but what i know does signify and in reality makes all the difference between being happy and miserable is having the cleverness good luck or whatever it is not to be left out of everything that is going on and just to know gentlemen enough to speak to now and then or to take a turn with one like other people if it was only for two or three minutes at a time that is perfectly true my dear replied miss perkins and it is just like your good sense and right way of thinking to say it and it certainly is very hard when people are as reasonable as you are that they should not have what they wish i do think it is said matilda with a gentle sigh and i give you my word and honour if i know my own heart i should be perfectly contented and perfectly happy if we could but get into a gay set of acquaintance but that i do wish for and i won't deny it to be sure it would be a great blessing in every way replied the elder sister with much feeling what a difference it would make every day of our lives and of course matilda you think about it still more than i do and it is very natural you should my dear you are five years younger than i am and that makes a great difference particularly just at your age five years and three months rejoined the younger my birthday is in september almost the end 
and yours in july at the very beginning very true my dear so it is indeed and besides you happen to be so very remarkably young-looking matilda that you look like a mere girl beside me i am sure anybody in the world might take you for a dozen years younger than i am at the very least instead of five or five and a quarter i don't know about that my dear louisa replied the younger sister modestly i suppose i do look rather young because everybody says so and besides you don't make the most of yourself and i am sure i wish you did you would look as young again if you would but take a little pains about it that is one great reason of the difference for i won't deny that i do take a great deal of pains and so i think one ought in my opinion one owes it to oneself and it is quite a duty not to neglect it after this there was a pause of some minutes during which both sisters assiduously continued the needlework on which they were employed but in fact their silence proceeded more from the crowding of their ideas than from any lack of them what do you think would be the best way louisa pronounced in an accent half playful half shy by miss matilda were the next words uttered the best way to do what my dear responded miss louisa with a look of perfect and most genuine innocence for in truth the mind of the elder sister had been occupied in meditation on the general question of old maidism and not on that particular branch of it which concerned the officers who visited the family in the drawing-room don't you remember what we were talking about sister said the younger colouring a little and somewhat in an accent of reproach yes to be sure i do my dear about the foolishness of caring so overmuch about being married no no i don't mean that louisa we were talking of something quite different i want you to say sister what you think would be the best and most ladylike way of making acquaintance with mrs o'donagough i am more and more convinced the longer i think of it that it ought to be done somehow or other it is really too stupid sitting here like two fools and speaking to nobody dear me think what a head i have got if you will believe me i didn't the least bit remember that we had been talking about that replied the more resigned and tranquil-minded elder sister then i wish you would remember it louisa it is excessively hard upon me to have everything left for me to manage do tell me will you at once what you think would be the most advantageous way of beginning the acquaintance upon my word matilda that is no easy thing to say people so highly connected you must remember are never so easy of access as those that are less distinguished and though i don't mean to say that people in our situation of life living as we do independently on our own fortunes are not company for anybody yet this family cannot be treated in the same way one might go to work with common ordinary ladies and gentlemen like the larkins last year at hastings you remember or those dear good-natured thompsons at worthing but to be sure matilda it would be a very great thing for us both and particularly for you my dear the place so full and all it would be just everything louisa in one way or another it must be managed that fine tall girl of theirs looks the very picture of good-nature and hannah says she isn't the least bit proud in any way chattering away with her about the officers and everything else in the kindest manner possible replied miss matilda eagerly i would give the world to know her then suppose my dear replied the elder sister we were to try first with her i have often observed that very young girls and quite old gentlemen are the easiest people to get acquainted with everywhere suppose matilda we try speaking to the young lady first stop a moment will you i will hear the rest presently cried miss matilda suddenly starting from the work-table and hurrying out of the room 
her sister looked up as the door closed sharply behind her with some degree of surprise but being naturally of a composed temperament she soon restored her attention wholly to the quilling of her tool nor ceased her occupation twiddling it into becoming shape as a tour de bonnet with rosebuds ribbons and so forth till the entire fabric was complete how long exactly this might have taken her she would have been at a loss to say but when the work was ended and had been tried on and approved miss perkins began to wonder where sister mattie might be chiefly because she wanted her to pass judgment on her performance and confirm her own conviction that it was very pretty indeed having looked at herself in the glass for several times and out of the window upon the open sea as many this sisterly longing was leading her towards the door when she was stopped by hearing voices upon the stairs in gay laughing loud conversation one of which was her sister's miss perkins hesitated a moment whether she should open the door in order to discover who miss matilda's merry companion might be and had just decided that it would be quite ridiculous not to do it when the desired operation was performed from the other side and miss matilda entered side by side with miss patty o'donagough both talking together fast and loud and apparently the very best friends in the world miss matilda perkins bore in her hand a telescope and the first words her sister distinctly heard and understood were oh my dear miss o'donagough you must positively just come in and have a peep you have no idea how exceedingly amusing it is especially just now that it happens to be high water with so many boats about and so many people bathing this is miss o'donagough's sister miss perkins miss o'donagough i was so lucky louisa as just to meet this young lady as i came down from our room with the telescope and i have just been so excessively amused by it upstairs that when i saw her look with curiosity at the instrument i could not resist my inclination to ask her in to look through it is it not good-natured of her to come so very kind and obliging i am very happy to see the young lady i am sure for that or any other reason replied the elder sister assiduously opening the window and fixing the telescope commodiously it is a very nice clear glass miss o'donagough and this window has got such a beautiful view it is certainly very amusing now isn't that first-rate capital fun exclaimed miss patty after a long steady gaze through the glass how i do envy you having such a beautiful amusement you are looking through it all day long ain't you when you are not walking out we do use it a good deal certainly replied miss matilda with an expressive nod of the head but i do assure you my dear miss o'donagough that both my sister and myself shall always have the greatest pleasure in giving it up to you or your mamma either if you would do us the favour to call in and use it oh for that mamma will never get it out of my hands i promise you whenever i get it into em but it will be very good-natured of you i am sure if you will let me come and have a peep sometimes both sisters were most earnest and eager in their assurances that there was nothing in the world they should like so well as seeing her come in and out fifty times a day if she liked it well then i shall like it you may depend upon it replied patty it will be such nice fun to gallop down here whenever i am tired of the old ones upstairs hannah told me you were very free pleasant sort of ladies and so you are i am sure it is very kind of you to say so replied miss perkins simpering and it will be no sacrifice at all for me to give up the telescope because of course you know my dear i don't think so much of all those little gay amusements as my sister does i am so many many years older than matilda that it makes a great difference in all things of that sort you know 
so she and you my dear young lady may take the glass turn and turn about whenever you are here and that would be better almost than having it all to yourself for that might make your eyes ache which would be a pity i am sure so beautiful as they are patty repaid this amiable prelude to lasting friendship by saying as she again put the glass to her eye i am sure you are monstrous kind and good-natured and so i shall tell mamma and papa too and i shall make them both come and see you a happy and triumphant look was exchanged between the sisters while one of patty's bright eyes was glued to the instrument which made it as she said almost as pleasant to live in a house as upon the pier itself and the other screwed up with skilful and most patient perseverance till she had carefully scanned every individual head within reach of her examination the acquaintance thus happily begun between the drawing-room and the parlour progressed without the slightest drawback from the feelings of any individual concerned and many were the miles of hot walking spared mrs o'donagough thereby at the which she rejoiced not a little for much as she loved to see and be seen the excessive activity of her lively daughter had already caused her to pant and to blow under all the brilliance of a september sun at brighton for more hours than were quite agreeable to her age and size and it soon became an understood thing between the new associates that the miss perkinses should take care of patty in all her long lounges backward and forward over the cliff and under the cliff while in return mrs o'donagough should chaperone the mall about three times a day to the libraries by which arrangement miss louisa got a great deal of very agreeable and improving conversation with mrs o'donagough and miss matilda very soon achieved a bowing and sometimes even a speaking acquaintance with all the gentlemen of mr o'donagough's brighton acquaintance their evening parties too were quite delightful as the hours of daylight shortened the hours for the card-table lengthened and the company of the miss perkinses was agreeable in every way nobody made tea for a party of gentlemen with so much skill and so inexhaustible a stock of smiles as miss matilda and no one was ever so well qualified to teach new stitches to winding eyes as miss louisa who still struggling against spectacles herself had discovered or invented a prodigious number of devices by which patterns would do just as well a little awry as not in this way the fortnight of her darling niece's absence made itself wings and when at length mr o'donagough brought home the news that he had seen general hubert on horseback it was hailed by his lady with infinitely less ecstasy than he expected you don't seem half so much out of your wits my dear as i expected observed mr o'donagough laughing in high good humour the result probably of the propitious termination of his morning's amusement i thought you would begin singing and dancing when i told you that your beloved niece was come back nonsense donny my singing and dancing days are over however of course i am very glad and i shall take patty to call there to-morrow without fail but the fact is this place is so delightful patty is so much admired the prawns and everything are so nice those dear good perkinses are such a comfort to me and you are almost always in such high good humour that i am sure i don't want nieces or nephews or anybody else to make me happy here however of course i shall go and call to-morrow lor mamma i hope you will leave me behind if you do exclaimed miss patty i had rather take one walk with matilda perkins old as she is than a dozen with that prig in petticoats elizabeth hubert that's likely enough darling replied her mamma but if you are the sharp girl i take you for you'll soon find there's more reasons than one for making much of one's relations you only just look at the perkinses patty when i talk of my niece mrs hubert before them or at dacre or willis or foxcroft or any one of the officers and you'll see fast enough whether they are worth calling upon or not that's true as that the sun's in heaven patty 
said her father with great animation so keep a proper lookout, girl or you and i shall be too la what a fuss you are making said the young lady tartly i never said i meant to cut em did i but i suppose i may think them fogrums and quizzes if i choose i don't care what you may think of my black-eyed beauty if you do but take care to make the most of the cousinship said her father so mind miss i shall question your mother about your behaviour to-morrow and if i hear of sour looks or impertinent airs of any kind you shall not bathe again as long as you stay at brighton just mind that miss patty tossed her head but said no more for she as well as her mamma had learned to know when her papa was in earnest it rarely happened but that when one parent admonished miss o'donagough the other declared her to be peculiarly impeccable and even praiseworthy on that particular point but in the present instance the case was otherwise mrs o'donagough was equally edified and gratified by the sentiments expressed by her husband and to atone for any seeming indifference manifested by her own manner of receiving the intelligence of her elegant niece's return she took an opportunity about an hour afterwards when both the miss perkinses and lieutenant foxcroft were present to make her joy and gladness appear with such eloquent vehemence as elicited from all the most cordial congratulations on the event you may be well proud of your niece ma'am said the lieutenant she's the first woman in brighton out and out ah captain foxcroft replied mrs o'donagough who generally gave brevet rank to all her military acquaintance beautiful as she is that is her least merit i do assure you dear creature i brought her up entirely myself and therefore you know i may venture to speak for her mental qualities to be sure i did take incessant pains with her every one of her accomplishments were of my own teaching and i must say it though i should not that she has turned out exactly what i desired she should be how very gratifying exclaimed miss perkins and such an elegant creature too subjoined miss matilda what a reward for all your care i must say added mrs o'donagough looking with an expression of ingenuous modesty in the face of lieutenant foxcroft i must say that she had both precept and example to help her and i have the pleasure of knowing that the excellent match she made was entirely in consequence of my having fortunately attracted the attention of general hubert he was only colonel hubert then but a most distinguished man in every way and when he found that agnes had been brought up by me he immediately paid his addresses to her cannot you guess my dear miss perkins how gratifying the remembrance of this must be to my feelings while witnessing their present conjugal happiness oh dear me yes i can indeed mrs o'donagough and i hope and trust the same delightful thing will happen over again with your charming daughter i am sure you are very kind returned the gratified mother yes that is exactly the sort of marriage i wish her to make such high connections you know so every way desirable and here while mr o'donagough and the lieutenant sat down to a game of piquet mrs o'donagough lowered her voice to a confidential whisper while she poured into miss perkins's ear numberless interesting little particulars relative to many of her own youthful adventures among which the touching episode of lord mucklebury's sending her a set of shells long after they were parted for ever was not forgotten while this went on at one end of the room on the sofa patty by a movement of the finger and a wink of the eye invited miss matilda to station herself beside her at a still open window at the other don't go on listening to mamma's prosing miss matilda there's no fun in that said she familiarly passing her arm through that of her new friend what a dear girl you are 
murmured miss matilda in reply and how i do wish you would always call me matilda without any miss at all before it do you replied patty laughing so i will then for i like monstrously to be intimate with you because you are such a capital one for fun don't those dear feathers look beautiful in the moonlight marching along under the windows that they do indeed patty replied her friend with a speaking pressure of the arm that's captain thwaites that's just passed he's reckoned the handsomest man in brighton but i think your cousin general hubert is handsomer though to be sure he's not quite so young he handsome what that tall thin hideous stiff old fellow oh matilda if i could but show you one man you'd never think any other handsome again that is not very very handsome as long as ever you lived indeed patty and who is that my dear hush don't speak loud but if i am to call you matilda and we are to be out and out real friends i don't think it would be all right for me not to tell you everything for real particular friends you know never have any secrets from one another dear creature exclaimed miss matilda in a whisper with another affectionate pressure of the arm tell me everything then and you will never say a word about it to mamma nor to your sister either no not for the world my dearest patty let us lean out of the window then said miss o'donagough and i will tell you the history of the only real lover i ever had that was worth talking about with arms still interlaced and heads projected as if gazing on the beautiful effects of the moonbeams on the sea the two friends there stood together till patty had poured forth the whole history of jack's tender attentions during the whole voyage from sydney his escape from drowning his recovery from death on her lap and lastly the parting kiss by which as she said she well knew he meant to pledge his troth to her for life but my darling girl do you mean that he was a common sailor demanded the confidant in an accent of considerable surprise a common sailor indeed good gracious no matilda before he went on shore mamma found out that he was certainly somebody of very great consequence in disguise good heavens my dear you don't say so what a complete adventure and you so young too oh you lucky girl ain't i matilda but when shall i see him again dear do you think he will ever come to look for me you may depend upon it patty etc etc and so the conversation went on deepening in its tone of affectionate confidence till two or three more officers came into the room and then miss matilda was summoned to her well-loved place at the tea-table but this did not happen till a very broad and lasting foundation of friendship had been laid between miss matilda perkins and miss martha o'donagough a friendship which was not without a lasting influence on the happiness of both End of chapter 14